0: Saying the man. October, my dear friends. You know, fall is definitely here. A nice brisk chill here in Colorado in the mornings and cooling off even more in the evenings. And oh my god, once again, those colors and those trees. I drove towards the Spanish peaks just the other day to visit my boyfriend's mom. And oh my god, just such vibrant oranges and yellows and reds. And this girl and her camera had to pull over several times to take pictures. Meanwhile, yesterday, I went over La Vida Pass to get to family in Pueblo. And oh, so many yellow leaves. Just truly a beautiful time for sure. And as always, thank you so much for coming by, making me, Paranormal Prowlers podcast, part of your morning, day, night, evening, whenever and wherever you're listening from. It is absolutely greatly appreciated. Those awesome tunes that you just heard, of course, are courtesy of the ever so lovely Bobby Mackey, and I am your host Tessa Morrow. Mr. Simon, bring me a dream. Yes, Halloween will be here soon. (laughs) Okay, now that that's out of my system, I'd like to discuss an investigation that I conducted back a few years ago. Picture it. Jerome, Arizona, 2016. Days earlier, I had been in Tombstone investigating my heart out at the mortuary here, at the soiled dove house there, making friends with the locals and bringing home uninvited guests. Red sample. While in Jerome, a neat little town up in the hills, I was feeling the effects of my attachment more than ever but I had two investigations I could not back out on due to the fact because I didn't know when the hell I'd be back in these parts of good old AZ. To give you an idea just how I felt, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had attachments, okay, and it's like not one is the same. Picture yourself, in my experience, this is what I felt, picture yourself being tied at the feet and being hoisted up by a tractor or something. Go up as high as that tractor or whatever can take you and then drop you to the hard, unforgiving ground below. Every bone and muscle in my body ached. Every move that I made was excruciating, cringing in pain. You'd think that I was in a car accident, flipping over and over and over several times and then being thrown out of that car. No, I endured no accident. I didn't fall. I, I, there was nothing. You know, like sometimes like if you hurt that bad, you know, oh God, that must have been when I knocked my head or, you know, I, I did something. Nothing happened. I endured no accident. I could barely walk. I, of course, mentioned the fact that I felt like I was being strangled. Elephant on my chest, if you will. The feeling of never truly being alone. Feeling that way did not stop me one bit, though. So... One thing about me, when I make plans with people, I stick to them. I could be in pain. Now, of course, if I'm sick and contagious, then no, I won't go, okay? Only a bizarre accident or illness or death can stop me. My mom says it the best. I hate change. I don't adapt easily. I really, honestly, truly don't. If Tessa Morrow is supposed to meet Jane Doe at Applebee's at noon for lunch and drinks, guess what? I'm going to be there, like on the dot. Or (laughs) more like 11.50 because I'm notorious for getting places early. Now, it comes from when I was a kid. My friends, they would cancel plans on me. I, I would be so disappointed and let down, feeling like I was just punched in the face. I don't take rejection good. And I think the little girl inside me is like, Tessa, you don't want to let anyone down. Do not cancel. So there was no way in bloody hell, right, that I was going to cancel on these two Jerome investigations. No, no way. The first investigation was conducted at a cute little shop a sweet woman owned named Sheila's Copper Penny. I believe it has since closed down, And this is the investigation I will talk about today. The second investigation was conducted at Jerome Grand Hotel, a location with a lot of history and a ton of deaths. I believe it was like over 9,000 people have died there. And that deserves, just like Sheila's Copper Penny, an episode all on its own. In good time, my friends. Oh, in good time. About a week before I would investigate the Copper Penny, or tombstone for that matter, I was walking around Jerome with my mom's dear friend, Joan. My mom was on a shopping spree, and we didn't want to run from, you know, store to store in the heat. We were on a mission, though, Joan and I. Due to my investigating the paranormal, Joan had wanted to find a crystal for me to hold on to, as a means of, like, a sort of protection, if you will. We walked into a store, and Joan talked to the woman behind the counter and told her that... We were looking for crystal. This is why. And we needed it. And the woman's curiosity was piqued when she heard it was due because of the paranormal. And we started a conversation, me and this woman. But before that conversation, I need to mention, she helped us find a gorgeous crystal necklace and a matching earring set. Joan insisted on buying them for me. And to this day, I wear them proudly. And I think of her while doing so. In this conversation... She told me she owned a business on the other side of town called Sheila's Copper Penny, and how she believed it to be haunted. She told me how she thought the spirits of an old man and his pet cat reside there. Now, my curiosity was piqued. You know, when I hear something's haunted, it's like a dog hearing the word treat or something. The ears go up. She actually had been searching for someone to go investigate her location due to odd occurrences taking place there. I happily accepted her invite. I told her we were going to Tucson and Tombstone for the next week and a half, but on the way back, I would stop by for an investigation. So, you know, we exchanged phone numbers, and when I was back in the area, Sheila and I set up an evening for me to investigate Sheila's Copper Penny. Sheila herself has had many bizarre things happen in her life, things she can simply not explain. Some are terrifying, while some are quite heartwarming. After our investigation, she opened up and told me some of these encounters, and I'm hoping someday she will be on the podcast. So I get there in the evening after she closed up shop for the day. She points out one area of interest It's a small open room that has boxes and just a little few things here and there scattered about, like a stock room, if you will. She shares with me that she used to have sewing machines in there and used to spend a lot of time in there. But that changed as every time she would be in there, she would be suddenly very tired. I mean, this woman could be wide awake and full of energy. And yet if she would spend any amount of time in there, in this one particular spot. She would become drowsy. Her energy would drain more and more by the minute. There's even been times when she would fall asleep in there, waking up to no recollection of passing out. In her words, quote, I couldn't stay awake to save my life. I kept falling asleep. My energy would be completely drained, unquote. Very weird indeed. It's something she just simply cannot explain. And how frustrating is that? You own a business, you're going to work, and suddenly you just like can't even stay awake. So when I get there, I'm on a mission, okay? I want to find answers for Sheila. Is there an old man and a cat haunting this establishment? What's going on in that notorious sleep room? Who knows, but I plan to find out. Upon arrival, Sheila turns off the fans. And the AC unit. And <laughs> I mean you know it's no easy thing to do in the middle of the summer in Arizona but she knows her building and she knows the sounds that it creates and the less sounds we can eliminate the less debunking we have to do. And of course we had to debunk a few things that night you know a barking dog here a car passing there it's just part of the investigation it's what you have to do and I happily did it every single time. A little info about this building Many moons ago, it was owned by the Dykus family. The building itself used to be a Studebaker showroom, which is pretty awesome. And as Sheila is sharing the history with me, my recorder captures an EVP of a man whispering what sounds like, go for a ride. So, go for a ride. And I need to just mention, like my tombstone investigations, I was in Arizona for one thing only. For my grandma, who was having surgery. I didn't know I was going to be conducting so many investigations there. But for a just-in-case kind of situation, I always have my recorder on me and my Mel meter. And so that's all we had. I didn't have anything else. So, you know, go for a ride. Quite an appropriate EVP, if you ask me, being that we are indeed in a former car showroom. I'm handed a picture of Dykus as a young man in a basketball team photo which is actually in my book because this is a chapter in the book and it's a really neat picture if you will. As I touch the photo, my melmeter screams at us and spikes to 1.0. Not very high, obviously, but it spikes. First place I'm attracted to go to. Obviously, is the notorious what I call sleep room where Sheila is most affected. As I walk into that area, my recorder captures an exasperated breath. (sighs) I say out loud to the spirits something to the effect like, you know, why does Sheila get so tired in here? She's even taking naps here while she's never done that before. And a snicker is captured on the recorder. Both the exasperated breath and the snicker go upon deaf ears as I don't hear any of this or the EVPs we will capture until much later when I'm going through the evidence. The EMF then spikes to 1.5 and then to 2.0. We continue walking through the small store. We enter a doorway in which she shares with her neighbor. We stop as we can't go any further as the neighbor had closed down for the day. My recorder captures an EVP whispering, join us. And I have to say real quick that When we heard voices outside, again, that debunking, you know. So if somebody was walking by, it would be kind of muffled and we could hear them, right? So I would say right away, okay, man, woman walking by and talking. It's way easier to debunk because in your head, you're like, okay, I hear that. I I know what that is. But if you don't say it right away, and sometimes like for people like me, I'm busy. It takes me a while to get back to my evidence to listen to the audio later. So later on, I could just totally forget about it and go, oh, my God, that's a possible EVP. No, no, it's not. And so all these things like join us, go for a ride, the snicker, the exasperated gasp. I mean, you know, the breath. No, we're not hearing any of that stuff. So. Mind you, right now at this point, this is just a quick walkthrough of the business. We start off with an opening prayer. And as we are doing this, a sound can be heard in the background on the recording. I can truly only describe this as the sound of a beating heart. We finally start the investigation where I encourage Sheila who is standing there observing the investigation, to join in and to feel free to ask any questions. I, of course, just tell her my rule. Don't provoke. Don't be disrespectful. And she didn't seem like, like a person to do that anyway. She was a total sweetheart. So she thinks about this, being silent for several seconds, and she starts to ask a question. Do you ever... And she pauses. And as she does this, a voice is recorded whispering, What? What? She continues by saying, Sense me getting frustrated when there's no one here, and I'm swearing to myself uncontrollably. An EVP of a man is recorded shushing her. A young child is recorded breathing heavily, and this happens several times throughout the investigation. A child, I would guess, a young girl. And I ask if any of the spirits could make a sound for us, and a loud thump is recorded. And later on I ask again for a sound to be made and the recorder yet again captures something what sounds like a humming sound followed by a cat purring. When I heard this days later I was absolutely amazed. This would not be the only time we would get something on the recorder involving a feline creature. At another point of the investigation, we are positioned at the counter where the register is, and we're just asking questions, and during this time my recorder captures yet another purring of a cat, and (laughs) what happens next is actually quite phenomenal. After the purr, another sound is captured. Now, the people that are listening who have cats or who are cat lovers or who knows people who have cats, who have seen this, will know what I'm talking about. You put a nice dish of fresh, wet, decadent food in front of them, right? And what do they do? Well, of course, they eat it. They scarf it down. First of all, you feed your cat dry food every day. It's just kind of like the same bullshit, right? It's like, ugh. That's like if you eat a tuna casserole every single day, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a steak, a big fat juicy steak, or for the vegetarians, a big fat juicy veggie burger, okay? I mean, you, I don't know, it's like, oh. So for the most part, what I usually observe with the cat and wet food, they're anxiously and excitedly eating the wet food like it's the last precious morsels on planet Earth. The sound is a cat scarfing down its food. (laughs) What a capture. Yes! As this is happening, unknown to us, of course, the millimeter goes to 1.0. And I walk to the middle of the room and I ask, there's word that an old man and his cat are here. I love cats. What's your name? What's your cat's name? Uh, You know, I want to know both, man and cat. And while I don't get an answer to my question, we did get two footsteps walking closer to me. And when we were asking questions, we weren't moving around and walking and creating sounds. And I explained all of this to Sheila, who hadn't done an investigation before all of this stuff. So she was kind of, you know, ready to go. I then asked if maybe they worked in the old showroom. Maybe were you a mechanic or are you one of the Dykas family or something? Again, no answers. But my recorder captured yet another sound. It was like a metal like clinking sound. Right after that, another purring sound is recorded. (laughs) Really, really cool. I love capturing animal EVPs. So phenomenal. So later on, I ask, are there any spirits here? Feel free to make a sound. Tap my shoulder, touch my hair, hit my foot. I give you permission to touch me, not Sheila. And Sheila stayed silent, obviously not wanting any part of that. And I totally respected that. So I made it clear to the spirits, do not touch her, touch me only. Do not attack. Be gentle. But I'm here. After I say that, a woman is recorded, sadly saying, I can't. Like her voice was just really sad. After she says this, a man is recorded exhaling loudly. Mind you, it's just me and Sheila, just two gals here, followed by guess what? meow. You guessed it, another purring sound. Now, you must remember we only have the EMF and recorder going at this time. We aren't hearing any of the purrs or any of the breathing or EVPs. I mentioned that the spirits must be shy, and that's okay. And after saying this, a man is recorded saying, walk around the room. Seconds later, a raspy meow is captured. <laughs> utterly mind-blowing. First, we're getting, we're getting the cat ravenously eating the wet food, and then we get a freaking meow. Like, to me, that's way awesome. Mind-blown. I ask Sheila if she still has that problem, you know, with getting tired, and before she can even answer, a laugh is captured on the recorder. It sounded like this. <laughs> she answers, saying, sometimes, during the middle of the investigation, Sheila suddenly feels very cold, like ice cold. She starts shivering in fact. Remember, we're in Arizona and it's summer where the AC would usually be on and fans to give some relief from the AC heat. The AC was off for this investigation and it was hot in there. I don't feel the coldness at all, but as she experiences this, the melmeter spikes. It's small, not huge, only to 0.7, but still it's like, wow, At this point, it had been silent for quite some time. What happens next is remarkable. Sheila suddenly loses the color in her face. We're looking at each other, facing each other, and she looks like she has seen a ghost. She looks to be in shock and actually kind of frightened. She looks at me and says, okay, I saw, and I'm not bullshitting you. And as she pauses to think of the right words to describe what she had just seen, a man is recorded exhaling. (sighs) Sheila continues. The corner of the display case, it looked like when someone blows a dandelion. My back was to the display case because I was facing her. I turned to the area she's referring to. I don't see anything. She tells me that this mysterious thing went from left to right from the corner of the jewelry case to the bookshelf. And as she is talking to me, the EMF meter spikes to 1.0. And looking through my old investigation notes, this is what Sheila said of this mysterious sighting. Quote, I'm not moving at all, and there's nothing here in the store, right? It looks like a white thing, a floating thing. It moved from my left to my right. It looked like someone had blown a dandelion head. Unquote. So as she talks, she's she's telling me all this and she stops talking. And my recorder catches a man making a whoosh-like sound. Very close to the recorder. Super close. As if he was standing right there participating in the investigation. And you know what? He was. I tell the spirits to please not be afraid of us. That we're there to talk to them. No disrespect whatsoever. We kind of said this in the opening prayer as well. And a man's voice is captured whispering, all of us. Right after the CVP, the melmeter meter makes an alert sound. One of the things I brought to the investigation was an old inmate shirt that I had recently bought at the old jail in Jerome, where I was lucky to have a private investigation there. And yet another place worthy of its own episode for another day and another time. I hold the shirt in my hand and I ask the spirits if any of them had spent any time in the gel, as it's not too far from the copper penny. We receive an EVP of someone answering my question, saying in a faint voice, Me. It is then that Sheila shares a little more history about the building that we are in. (laughs) At some point, they actually used this place as an interim gel, when the town's gel started sliding on down the hill. We conduct an EVP session, you know, that's asking a question, waiting several seconds, vice versa, we're taking turns, so we start talking and taking turns asking questions. Sheila asks, how old were you when you died? And a man answers with the CVP: 717. It's at this point where Sheila sees a shadow on the wall near the sleepy room. So, you know, we walk over there towards that area where she saw that shadow. We look around. We are searching everywhere. The male spikes to 0.8. Nothing major. Once again, when I ask for a name, we get an EVP from a woman saying I can't. And again, we got an EVP earlier from a woman saying I can't when I told any of the spirits to touch me. We make our way to the wall, which Sheila and her neighbor shares, just separating them as kind of like a little sheet. And I ask, how did you die? And a faint voice is recorded saying multiple words. Most were unintelligible, unfortunately, but I did get one word from it. axe. At one point, while still in this particular spot, a man is caught telling us to go home. And shortly after that, I feel pressure on my foot like as if a hand clamped down on my foot. <laughs> Remember, just just moments earlier, I did ask for a spirit to touch me. <laughs> ask and you shall receive, my child. We walk outside so Sheila can show me something behind the building. She closes the door and we slowly make our way in the dark. Since the door is unlocked, we don't go too far. We stand there talking and watching the door off and on. And you'll understand why I mentioned the door in a moment or two. Sheila points to a cool-looking building and says to me, that's the Cuban Queen Bordello, which is currently abandoned. Behind that was a barn where they would transport the deceased in the carriage hearse. They would pass right by this building. Now, she showed me this because earlier I had asked her, were there any reported or documented deaths on or near this property? and having the bordello so close where they had the hearse and where they, you know, dead bodies were coming every single day. Wow. As I start to take pictures of the bordello, which is a really cool looking building, Sheila excitedly says she saw a blue speck near me. Now you're thinking, okay, you're taking pictures. I First of all, I wasn't using my flash, and and so anyways, and, and when I do, it's more like a like a whitish yellow, you know, not a little tiny blue speck. So she shares with me that she can see spirits sometimes, and at times she sees these different colored pinpoints, if you will. She then says she saw it again, this time right at my feet. And this second time, I was not taking pictures. We then both see this light dancing in the trees. We're alone, no one else is around us, and To this day, I'm still quite unsure what was up in those trees. It was very interesting. After some time, we head back to the Copper Penny, only to see that the door is wide open. She had closed it moments earlier. I watched her, and we both heard the click as it shut closed. And it was not windy that day, or that night. And we had not seen or heard anyone come over, as we weren't far from the door whatsoever. And being a good business owner, she kept an eye on the door, you know, since it wasn't locked, to make sure. And no one was messing around in there. Or around there. So we slowly walk through the open door. And I ask, is someone in here? We searched the whole store. No windows were open. No, I mean, nothing. No, n- We searched every single corner. Besides Sheila and myself, nobody was there. So we catch an EVP of a man answering my question, is someone in here? The man says, I am. So... We had a lot more things happen there. You know, this was just part of the investigation. But I have to say one thing that was my favorite of the investigation. I mean, the whole thing was awesome. So at one point, I set up my camera, well, my phone on a time lapse on the bookshelf facing the door. Now, this is the bookshelf where she saw the dandelion kind of fly past. And we'd been there for at that time, close to an hour and there, nothing was flying around, you know. And so we end the investigation this way. I put my phone time lapse facing the door on the bookshelf in the active area and we close the door. We go outside and then that's where she shares her experiences with me. You know, the things that she encountered as a child and into adulthood and the things she's been through. And again, mind blowing, she'll have to be on to share it for herself. So we're out there a good amount of time, right? And at that time, time lapse is occurring. Time lapse. And I like doing it like that because instead of having to watch, and of course, there's no sound time lapse, unfortunately, but we don't have to watch 20 minutes of a video. You know, at this time, she had been working all day and was getting kind of tired. And so we're just waiting, you know, and talking. And then we get to watch this probably like 30 second video then instead. And so I must mention, however, when we were leaving, my recorder was still on and it was in my hand and a man is whispered saying, come back. It's like, man, tell us to go home. Then he tells us to come back. What's up? <laughs> Just kidding. I love every single EVP that I receive. Greatly appreciated. Keep them up. But... While the door did not open in my time lapse, we did capture something and it was quite amazing to me. We watched the video, all seems normal, nothing moving whatsoever. And close to the very end, an unexplained black little thing starts making its way from the bookshelf and it takes a quick corner, really quick, the corner of the bookshelf, and then disappears. It comes straight in the direction of the phone and then leaves for good. To me, that was quite amazing. It wasn't a bug, just the way that it was moving and it didn't look like a bug. It it was really interesting. And again, this happened in the area that You know, things were happening, things that we, you know, where she saw that dandelion and close to where she always falls asleep. So it was really, really neat. And I wish I could recommend for you guys to go check out Sheila's Copper Penny. But again, as I mentioned earlier, I do think it has closed down. So for now, I could at least say I don't know about an old man being there. I don't. She told me an old man and a cat supposedly are there. I could absolutely say that a cat is there. Got more than enough proof. Got a lot of evidence, sounds, and whatnot. We did get some EVPs of a man. It might be the man. It might be the old man. Who knows? Also got some EVPs of children, or one child at least, and a woman. Might be a family. Might be separate. Might not even know each other. They might not even be aware of each other. I don't know. But I can at least give her that answer that, yeah, you do have something there. You have a cat and it seems like several other resident spirits. So there we go. It was a pretty decent investigation. Absolutely. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes. Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet. No need to cry my friends. You can binge listen as we speak. Going to any podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, wherever you may roam to tune in to your other phenomenal podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast. This week's special city shoutouts go to Churchville, New York flugerville texas <laughs> and i just have to say i love that name that is so cool and it kind of like r- makes me like i'm a golden girls fan and so it makes me think of like a name that uh that uh, rose Nyland would say flugerville anyways flugerville texas Gorakhpur, india Eastvale, california and birmingham alabama You guys obviously are all rock stars in my book. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are in this world, keep on tuning in. It's greatly appreciated. And stay safe during this crazy year and times that is 2020. Wherever you are, thank you. And I must say, it's like an addiction. I love going on my podcast platform that is audio boom and seeing all the new countries and cities that continue to pop up. Tell your friends. Family, coworkers, friends, aunts and uncles, your friend's distant cousin's baby mama. <laughs> you get the drift. Happiest of Octobers and see you next week.